Hi, and welcome once again to the Ethics Lab podcast. This is episode three, February 2019. I'm Dr. George Sakaritis. I'm here with Dr. Greg Peterson. How are you doing, Greg? I'm doing all right. How about you, George? I am probably feeling too good. I don't know. I'm excited about the podcast today to get back on the air and uh, talk about some really relevant stuff. I think we've chosen some great articles uh, for the upcoming podcasts here. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's get right to it then. That sounds good. Okay. So we thought today might be an interesting topic to discuss an article that appeared uh, fairly recently in the New York Times. Um, and the uh, title of the article is, Why Do People Fall for Fake News? So the article is by uh, two scholars, uh, Gordon Pennycook at the University of Regina and David Rand at Yale University. And basically, this is it's listed as an opinion piece. So it's, it's really a survey of work that they've done recently that is, that is now available in the journal Cognition. And the title of that article is Lazy, Not Biased, Susceptibility to Partisan Fake News is Better Explained by Lack of Reasoning Than by Motivated Reasoning. So big title. Yeah, that's, uh, it, I think you, just mentioning laziness, I think will get people's attention there. And I think as we get into this, we'll, uh, we'll see where that takes us. Unless they're lazy. Then they're not listening. Although, you know, this is a passive medium. We're, we're digesting this for you guys. So, you know, we're helping you out here, sort of. Okay, here you go, Greg. Why don't you uh, give us a summary of the article? Sure. So in this article, they lay out a little bit of the background for this. So the, as the title indicates, there's lots of interest in fake news. We uh, read stuff through the Internet, social media, Twitter, Facebook, and so on. And the problem, of course, is that a lot of, of what at least some people are reading is not exactly news. It's fake news. Um, these are stories that are put out by people with all sorts of motives, um, most of them not very good. And there's a small history now of research on this. And what they point out is that there's sort of two camps at the moment explaining why, or at least trying to explain why people fall for fake news, particularly in the area of politics. And so one line of reasoning goes something like this, that people normally are able to reason about things, but then when it comes to things that they care about, including uh, political information, their reasoning skills get kind of hijacked by what the, the authors call partisan convictions. So if you see some news that is reinforcing your own view, your reason, uh, reasoning capacity sort of takes a, a walk. And instead, your partisan convictions, usually understood in terms of emotions, they take over and they say, yes, this is right, regardless of what the source is and regardless of how, how reliable it is. And these folks don't quite buy into that. So uh, Penny Cook and Rand suggest that maybe there's another explanation, and that is simply that people are, are kind of mentally lazy, that uh, people read stuff on Facebook, they read stuff on Twitter, and they don't really think about it. They just have this sort of immediate emotional reaction, and then they go on to the next thing. And that's what's driving the sort of fake news phenomenon. 
Well, it's funny. I mean, when I listen to you talk about this, it really brings me back to something I, I kind of hit hard with my students. And it really sounds like the kind of the dichotomy we see in, in ancient Greek philosophy, where reason and the intellect are, you know, the highest good. That's where we should be focusing our attention. And we get caught up in passions and kind of appetites. And I would liken, you know, the fake news phenomena to that. There's kind of this laziness that goes, my gut reaction is this. I go with this appetite and I follow it. And it's a very strong conviction, but it isn't rooted in that higher intellect or that reason. Right. So if you read, say, the Phaedrus by Plato, he has this famous metaphor in there where the mind is kind of like a chariot with a driver and then two horses. And these two horses are sort of spirit and emotion, and they're sort of wanting to lead the chariot astray. And then you have the person in the chariot seat, perhaps reason, trying to kind of keep them in line going in in the right direction. Well, um, the researchers here, they note a couple articles that tilt in the direction of of the hijack hypothesis. That is, it's these partisan motivations that hijack our reasoning capacity. One of these is is quite famous. So this is a study by uh, Dan Kahan uh, in 2012 that appeared in the journal Nature. Um, And in this study, what they did is they looked at people's attitudes towards climate change. And what they found was that political polarization or polarization about news increased somewhat paradoxically with science literacy and numerability when talking about topics like climate change. So they exposed uh, subjects to, to uh, uh, reports of climate change. And what they found is that people who score higher on these measures of science literacy and numeric ability, they were actually the people more inclined to be polarized, both on the left and the right. So what was driving the information or driving their assessment didn't seem to be really a genuine assessment of the information. It was their partisanship. But in this case, the reasoning capacity seemed to kind of fuel the partisanship. At least that was the the apparent case. Another study so this is 2010 study by Nihon and Ruffler in the journal uh, Political Behavior, also showed something somewhat paradoxical, which is that exposure to corrections to fake news can sometimes actually reinforce people's partisan opinions. So it's as if just hearing the other side to some extent can actually, instead of correcting for one's bias, end up reinforcing it. Although the authors note this is still controversial, and some studies suggest actually the other effect. So some of this is still up in the air. So the problem I see with this discussion is if, let's say, intelligent people who are thinking rationally use their rational thinking to reinforce the ideas they already have, then are we really getting anywhere with these kinds of fake news and partisan discussions? Well, it's a depressing conclusion. One would like to think that being educated would actually treat this disease, one might say, of fake news. So if people are just failing to reason well, then presumably what we need to do is teach them to reason better, and that would take care of it. The current authors, Penny Cook and Rand, they don't Uh, buy at least wholly into this sort of hijack hypothesis, they buy more into 
a laziness hypothesis, and this is what their current paper gets at in the journal Cognition. So as a bit of background here, what they do is they give subjects in their study a, a, a co what's called a cognitive reflection test, which provides a sort of measure of people's willingness to reflect before they make a judgment. And so in this cognitive reflection test, what they do is they give subjects questions where the intuitive, or might we might say the, the uh, instinctive answer, initial answer is going to be clearly wrong if you reflect on it. So as an example they give in, in the article, one might be asked, if you're running a race and you pass the person in second place, what place are you in? Well, I might have gotten this wrong if I was just moving on my gut reaction, but obviously you're in second place because you just passed second place. There's still someone up ahead. Right. But of course, what many people respond, without, if they respond without thinking, is they'll just say first place. So this is what the test measures. It, it measures your willingness to just kind of jump in with an answer, even if it's wrong, as opposed to stepping back and reflect. And so it turns out when they look at how people interpret fake news, the folks who are more willing to engage in cognitive reflection actually do better on assessing something as fake news than the people who just jump right in. And I want to get your thoughts on this, Greg, but when I start to think about this, it, it sort of leads me in a different direction, just um, societally and with the news in general, there's kind of this need to be first that has kind of overcome even fact-checking, where you have major news outlets even making mistakes, maybe more than they would have in the past, because they want to get that story out quickly. So there is this reaction time that we have in our society that's maybe uh, accelerated from what it was. I, I don't think it's changed in the sense that we're talking about, you know, ancient Greek philosophy, they had the same issues. But due to technology and maybe societal change, it seems like this has been accelerated. What do you think about that? Well, certainly this would be true of news organizations, right? So news organizations now are in this 24-hour environment where they have to try to be the first out because that's what, what drives the news cycle. And then this is all amplified by social media because if you're the first out with the news story, then this gets filtered through social media and then that gets your story to be the one that's retweeted and retweeted and retweeted rather than the story of a competing news organization. Yes. But it could also be with, with the folks who are doing the tweeting too, or the, the Facebook sharing, that when we're connected to our phones all day long, perhaps, so this is just speculating, but perhaps uh, this is also encouraging people to say retweet or share quickly because people want those likes and those further retweets rather than to stop and, and digest. And I think this ties actually to, a, I think, both a religious and philosophical um, idea that has been gaining more traction in our society due to this kind of very fast-paced reaction time. Um, and that's a meditation, where it's like, just take some time to actually sit back and, and think through things in a more deep way and clear your head. We've kind of moved away from that in our society. I think it's been a problem throughout history. But... If we don't spend that time and we feel like we need to react to this quickly, maybe almost to dismiss it, 
like it's a just a judgment we need to make immediately and move on. It doesn't allow for this sort of thinking. And it sounds like the authors are trying to promote deeper thinking and and actually not necessarily to change minds, but to at least have those conversations. Well, it's interesting to reflect on the differences between the study conducted by Penny Cook and Rand and the the earlier study they mentioned by, by Dan Kahan. So in the early study by Dan Kahan, they don't actually measure something like cognitive reflection. They just measure what we might think of as knowledge capacity. So if you're well-informed, then that means you know certain things. You've maybe memorized them and know them as facts, but that doesn't mean you know how to reason about them very well. And so the distinction here potentially is the distinction between simply knowing about stuff and actually being able to reason well about stuff. And very interestingly, there is a more recent study by Don, uh, by Dan Kahan that really is in accord with what Penny Cook and Rand are saying. So this is a 2017 study by Kahan and colleagues titled Science, Curiosity, and Political Information Processing, Curiosity and Information Processing in Political Psychology. And in that study, what they found is that individuals who measure more highly in what's called science curiosity also do better at discriminating good information from from bad information. Why do you think that is? I mean, is it just a part of our training or... I'm bringing it back to Greek philosophy. Is it is it habit that we've formed that habit of thinking in a certain way? Well, you mentioned meditation earlier, and another route would be to think, uh, so here not invoking Plato, but much more Aristotle and his notion of intellectual virtue. So in the Nicomachean Ethics, among other places, Aristotle talks about virtue and most of the attention is placed on the notion of, of, of moral virtues or virtues of character, things like generosity and perhaps courage, and these uh, sorts of character traits that we tend to think are really important for functioning morally. But Aristotle also spends time talking about what we might call intellectual virtues, so things like uh, what he calls practical wisdom or understanding. And there's a case to be made that this idea of intellectual virtue is still very relevant today. And it's captured by the kind of reasoning processes that are important for figuring out how to digest well and discriminate between real news and fake news, which is not just applying some sort of rule, but being wise in figuring out what's a good source and a bad source. Yeah, and I think that's where, just in general, I mean, what we do is important just in higher ed in general, learning how to do research properly and discriminate sources. I, I think it be, might be helpful for the listeners also if we kind of give a little bit more definition on fake news, because people often use fake news as, that doesn't agree with my narrative, so it's fake news. And I think that's partly a reaction to the the actual term. But we see this kind of thrown around loosely. So how, how should we use the term fake news? Yeah, so we might call that the, the fake news fallacy. We, <laughs> we could in, invent a new fallacy. That would be kind of a fun thing to do. I, that could, uh, we could coin something here. Yeah, so 
Right. So, I mean, fake news is just news that's not true, right? So if we're told something, uh, for instance, if we're told by someone that, say, climate change is not true or that climate change is not caused by human beings or that someone claims that some new study shows that climate change is not true when in fact it is, and this, they're actually misrepresenting the study. I mean, all those would be cases of, of fake news. And, and actually, and this is a term that's used somewhat loosely. So, you know, now it's, I mean, all that, a lot of that's just fake information. So fake news, you know, technically is something different. So that's something that's an event or news item, presumably that's recent or current, but then is portrayed falsely. And I think that's key to it. It isn't I mean, the best lies usually contain a kernel of truth. And I think fake news often has some truthful element or relates to a current event, but takes it in a mis, uh, misrepresentation or a direction that is totally misleading, if not an outright lie. That's, I think, true in some cases. But there is a fair amount of evidence also that shows that what matters quite a bit is the extent to which information matches what people already believe. So this is, you know, there's different terms for this cognitive bias, uh, you know, or confirmation bias is a, is a standard term that's used to talk about this, these family of fallacies, if you like. Uh, my side bias is another, uh, another term that's sometimes used. And what so often happens is that we hear information and our first instinct is to check to see if that information agrees with what we think we already know. And if it does, we say, yes, that's true. Uh, but if it doesn't, then a temptation is just to say, no, that's false, and we should therefore dismiss it. And I, th- I mean, I think we, we probably don't have time to go into this too deeply, but I think we could, we could argue that there are some evolutionary reasons for that, to actually react quickly to make a decision to move on. Yeah, possibly. Do you, do you have something in mind there, George? Or? I'm probably crossing my studies here, so I don't know if we should go into this, but I think it's something where the the idea of confirmation bias is important, partly for maybe in-group, out-group dynamics. And I think hopefully we can get to this maybe in a future podcast, but, you know, I teach a course that deals with, you know, ethics of technology. And so like social media, we tend to group around people that agree with us and we actually unfriend or unfollow people that don't. So we get this continual feedback loop of confirmation. And I think that's a protective mechanism. We might be able to tie that into kind of self-preservation. That's probably where I'm going with that. Well, certainly there are these reputational dynamics at play, which relate pretty strongly to in-group, out-group dynamics. So in his book, Hashtag Republic, Cass Sunstein talks about some of this sort of phenomenon. So he discusses there this notion of information cascades, which pertain in particular to social media and the way that information propagates on social media. And he notes there that that one kind of cascade is precisely a reputational cascade, that that if people like you, for instance, are tweeting or retweeting something, you're going to be more inclined to retweet it as well. And those other folks who are in your uh, network um, will continue that. And so once that first source comes through, whether that's true or false, there is a tendency that that will be propagated just independent of its truth or falsity just because of the reputational factors. You want to be like your peers. You want to be liked by your peers. And so you click retweet or share. 
I would definitely agree with that. And I think it ties into some other um, just relational needs of, of us as humans and also maybe some some moral virtues and just uh, relational virtues in the way we, if we crave love, if we crave acceptance and kindness, we might be more likely to be kind, even if it goes against um, our rational nature at times. I think that's another area, and that's probably a deep rabbit hole. But I think uh, you're you're hitting something very important there. Well, and that uh, brings us back to the the connection between moral virtues and intellectual virtues, and so when we talk about either political values or moral values, we can have the values, but then we also want to be informed about those values. And so then the question becomes, how do we act appropriately given the information that we have? And that's where these intellectual virtues perhaps can play a, a very crucial role. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree totally that our our reasoning and our intellect are important in this. And actually sometimes the best way to, if, if you have two people that actually are looking to find truth or to find that intellectual ideal, then you're bonding over something much deeper and it, it could lead to something even better. Do you have any last thoughts uh, you'd like to share with our listeners? I, I think that's, that's close to a wrap. So we got some inf- interesting information on fake news. This is still an area very much of, of study and hopefully the old dictum know thyself is at work here so knowing how the mind works with respect to how we engage fake news is one step along the way of making sure we don't fall prey to it excellent i think that that's a good place to stop and i'm always for anything that ties us back to kind of aristotle and some some classical greek philosophy it's funny how often we keep coming back to that to interpret our modern day so that is it for the ethics lab podcast you can follow us on twitter at sdsu ethics lab is it Uh, sdsu ethics lab wanted to get confirmation there and you can also follow us on facebook Uh, we are constantly sharing relevant news stories on ethics so you can join in and and just have a nice conversation with us and until next time stay ethical my friends